We're back, Berean Bible Church. Welcome. I hope that worked. Uh, If for some reason it didn't, then my best suggestion to you would be to close your eyes, which is not a bad suggestion anyway. Um, I saw recently a video that I got a good laugh out of, but in order to explain it, I just want to give you just a bit of background. It's long been a staple of science fiction writing, literature, movies, that sort of thing, uh, where the story has something to do with an artificial intelligence that takes over the world. Uh, And the reality is that while that's been a lot of fun in fictional writings, that there are some scientists and thinkers that have cautioned people in our world that said, you know, really, we should be really cautious with artificial intelligence. You know, we could let that get out of control. However, this video was posted by a guy who said, I don't think we have anything to worry about for a while yet. And it has to do with Alexa. I don't know how many of you have uh, an Alexa or something like that in your home, but it was this Alexa, and I think he just titled the video, Alexa's Not That Smart. And it starts with him saying, Alexa, let's play Guess My Number. And so Alexa says, okay, we'll play Guess My Number. How high a number do you want to go to? And he said, one million. And so Alexa says, all right, I'm going to choose a random number between zero and one million. What's your first guess? And the gentleman in the video says, 3.2. And then Alexa comes back and says, I'm sorry, you need to choose a whole number that is between 1 and 545,387. And so the man said, "Um, okay, 545,387. And Alexa says, you guessed it in one guess. Alexa isn't that smart. It was fun. It was silly. But part of his point was, I don't think we have to worry anytime really soon about an artificial intelligence taking over the world. Just don't worry. If you have a Bible with you uh, today, I want to ask that you turn to John chapter 14. And it's interesting, before I go a lot farther, I want to point out that this sermon may seem like something that is custom-tailored for this week for this time in our lives and the things that are happening in our world and in our culture. But as it turns out, we've been studying the life of Jesus together, and this is really where I planned to be anyway, which is incredible to me because God is so good. The Holy Spirit superintended this. I didn't choose this necessarily on purpose, but it works so well and fits so perfectly. So turn to John chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1. And the context of this is the Last Supper. We discussed uh, before how they all gathered for this Passover meal, Jesus and, and his disciples that were the closest to him. And there they are having this, this last meal, this last supper together. It's the thing from which we take our practice of communion. Uh, and at the end of that meal, Jesus begins to talk with them. And he says here in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I want to stop right there for a second. We're going to read on. uh, But as Jesus begins to talk, I just want to remind you what's about to happen. Jesus has already pointed out numerous times that he is going to have to suffer and die. 
He has told them that it's going to happen this evening even. In fact, earlier in this evening, in this meal, Judas Iscariot, the one who is going to betray Jesus, was at the meal. And Jesus says, okay, go do the thing that you have to do. So he knows that this is coming. And we know from some of the things that happen later on in this narrative that this is intensely stressful for Jesus. And yet, he takes this opportunity to say to the people around him, let not your hearts be troubled. It's such a beautiful, wonderful thing. If this had been me, I think I would have said, everybody, leave me alone right now. I can't talk to you right now. I'm so stressed, you don't even know what's going on. Just let me be. And Jesus instead takes this opportunity to say to his friends, his followers, his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. And Philip said to him, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus just slows down, and he takes this opportunity to say to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be afraid. Don't be concerned. And he goes on and he fleshes that out. And what I want to show you is that he does this for a, a long kind of an extended passage. Now, I want to give you a little bit of homework today. Uh, I want you to take the opportunity to read all three of these chapters, John chapter 14 and 15 and 16 at another time. You can sit down and read that quietly by yourself, or maybe you want to gather your family together and read it out loud together, but do that sometime. I'm just going to look at some excerpts from those passages, but Jesus starts out by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, and then I'm going to show you how many times and places he continues to use that theme. He wants to give them peace. He wants to give them a lack of fear and a lack of worry and of concern. Look ahead to John chapter 14, verse 15. He says this, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper 
to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Listen to this, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. You see, here again, Jesus gives his disciples a peace. I love that phrase. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going away, and the world's not going to see me, but I want you to understand that I'm still going to be with you. And then he he also uh, shares with them that they're going to receive this helper, the Holy Spirit, that they're going to get that presence of God and that he will be there with them. And so he, again, he's just in the process of calming them down. A jump ahead in chapter 14 to verse 25. John 14, 25. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Here it is again. He says again, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. And he, he goes on to explain, he's, he's gonna bring to mind things that I've said. He's gonna remind you of, of things. And then he says here again, I don't want you to be afraid. I'm leaving you with peace, with this calm. I don't want your hearts to be troubled. The last uh, verse in this chapter, just so we sort of get a sense of the, the context, verse 31 He says, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. And then Jesus says, rise, let us go from here. And so I I picture that they all got up from the table and now they start strolling through the streets of Jerusalem. And ultimately they're going to go to this place called the Garden of Gethsemane. That's a little ways east of Jerusalem. But they get up and they're walking through these dark evening streets. But Jesus is still talking. So Maybe imagine in your head through this chapter 15, chapter 16, that they're just, they're walking together and he's still teaching them and guiding them and instructing them. And in John 15, verse five, Jesus says this, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now he uses another uh, image and he, he says I'm the this vine and your branches on the vine which is me and he kind of gives him this promise if you're abiding in me you're a branch that that is attached to this vine you're going to bear fruit again do you see the the promise that just gives them this sense of peace and of calm and that they don't need to fear jump ahead to chapter 15 verse 9 Jesus says here, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
And these things I have spoken to you, listen to this really carefully, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that incredible? Jesus says, look, you're in my love just like I'm in my Father's love, so stay there, live there. And my plan, the reason I'm saying all these things to you is that you'll just be filled with, with joy. Uh, turn uh, or skip ahead to verse 26 of chapter 13. 26 and 27, the last couple verses of this chapter. But when the helper comes, there again, that's the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He reminds them again, there's this helper coming. He's going to call all these things to your mind. He's going to testify about me, about who I am. It's fascinating. John, who we're reading here, he says at times, we didn't understand all this stuff while it was happening. But later on, it's just like Jesus promised. We, we have this Holy Spirit, and then it was like the light switch turned on, and, and we understood these things that Jesus had done and these things that Jesus had said and taught. Chapter 16 now. I'm going to skip all the way ahead to verse 16. So John 16, verse 16. A little while... And you will see me no longer, which is sort of a, a depressing word, and yet he takes a breath and says, but again in a little while, and you will see me. And so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that, that he says to us, a little while and you'll not see me, and again in a little while and you'll see me, and because I'm going to the Father. Verse 18, so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. (laughs) So it's it's possible that maybe he was out of hearing distance. Remember, there are uh, 12 of them at this point that are strolling through the street, and this group may have spread out some. So maybe some of the guys are in the back of the group, and they, they think they're whispering to each other, and Jesus can't hear them. But of course, he knows what they're thinking. And so... He says, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me and again in a little while you'll see me? Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and you'll lament, but the world will rejoice. Now again, that sounds really sad. But then he says, you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. And so also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. What an amazing passage. Finally, at the end of this section, the end of chapter 16, verse 33, the final verse of this chapter, says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you'll have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Isn't this a beautiful, wonderful passage? And again, I, I hope you take time to read all three of these chapters. There's a lot in there. There are some uh, promises to his disciples. There are some commands to his disciples. There are some signs of things that are to come, but woven all throughout this and bookended at the very beginning of it and at the very end of it are, are just these ideas of don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. And I'm saying these things to you that you'll have peace. This word peace, again, as it's used in the Bible, is a word that means maybe slightly more than we often uh, use it in our own culture. Oftentimes we use peace to mean kind of a lack of violence, like when countries are at war with each other. Peace is when the shooting stops, which is a great thing, but the biblical concept of peace is actually quite a bit bigger than that. It's a sense of complete calm that comes from everything being in its proper place. Everything just being right. Like when you've had this beautiful meal and you push back from the table and you just sort of say, oh boy, life is good. This, it's sort of this concept of peace that is just all-encompassing. And Jesus says, this is why I'm telling you these things. I want you to have in me peace. Our world needs this message today. We need this message today. I don't know how you're coping with all of this uh, news about the coronavirus and the COVID-19 disease. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes we see charts and graphs and numbers increasing rapidly and it, it seems frightening. But frankly, I think that part of the reason this all seems frightening to us is that We've added this on top of a lot of other things that can have the tendency to frighten us to begin with. Maybe we're worried about finances, about money. Maybe we're worried about work. Maybe we're worried about our health. Maybe you're worried because you've just been told recently that you have cancer. Maybe you're worried about your children or your grandchildren and their safety. Maybe you're worried in just a general sense about what the future holds and what that's going to mean and how you're going to make it. Maybe on just a daily scale, you're worried about this meeting that you have to walk into and you're really dreading it and you're, you're terrified about what's going to happen. There are all of these things, you know, that we deal with day in and day out. So that when you put on top of that, this global crisis, it just seems at times like it's too much, doesn't it? It's just such a burden. And a lot of us, I think, have maybe been dealing with a sense of fear. And church, those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, there is no greater message we can hear today than this message that Jesus gave to his disciples on this night before he was about to be arrested. He just says, I don't want you to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. 
I want you to have peace. I want you to experience joy. Now, what's interesting about this is that this is a common theme, not just through these three chapters that we've taken a look at, but it's a common theme really throughout the whole Bible. All throughout, there are multiple times where God says, don't fear, fear not. A messenger comes from heaven and they start out by saying, don't fear. You don't need to be afraid. This message gets repeated over and over and over again, both before this account that we've looked at and after. It's a really common thread. But something that goes hand in hand with it is, is sort of a foundation of this idea of not being afraid. See, the Bible doesn't just say, don't be afraid just because. It's not sort of this instruction that has no means to acquire it. It doesn't just say, hey, don't be afraid, don't worry. It says, don't be afraid and don't worry because. And you know what that because is? That because is the presence of God himself. That's the reason. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He is not trying to suggest that nothing that will happen to them, that nothing in their world is frightening or dangerous or oppressive. But what he's saying is the reason you don't need to be afraid of those things is because I'm with you, because God the Father is with you, because the Holy Spirit is with you, because of God's presence. That's why you don't need to be afraid. And this is true for us today too. When we say, don't live a life of fear, don't be fearful, even about this coronavirus business, it's not because we believe it's no big deal. Not being afraid doesn't mean you say, ah, who cares about coronavirus? <laughs> we can still behave wisely. James writes, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives wisdom really generously. We can behave wisely. We can behave lovingly. We can behave rationally. We can do those things that are right, but we can do all of that without fear because God is with us. Because Jesus has promised that he is in us and we are in him. Again, this theme continues throughout the rest of the Bible. It's interesting because we didn't really plan this together, but Pastor Jonathan read from Romans chapter 8 just a little bit earlier. And there's a verse, just a, a few verses before what Pastor Jonathan read, Romans 8, verse 15, that says, You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You don't have to be enslaved to fear. That's not the spirit that you've been given. He says, instead, you received the spirit of sonship. That is a, a child who has full rights and privileges in a family that has a, a full rights to the inheritance of their father. That's the spirit that you receive, a spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. You know what the cure for fear is in this time? It's not to pretend that the things aren't scary. It's not to behave as if there's not a real danger there. The solution to not being afraid is to remember 
God's presence and to cry out, Father, I need your help. I need you again. Let me just cling to you. Let me remember your promises. Let me feel your presence. Let me be reminded that you're here. And not being afraid doesn't necessarily mean that there's nothing out there that is worrisome. What it means is that you are so much larger than any of it and your presence is with me and because of that, I don't need to be a slave to this fear. That's a good promise for us today, Berean Bible Church. That's a beautiful promise for our church, for our city, our country, for our entire world. I want to encourage you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, and maybe have been for a very long time, we need to hear these reminders again. We all do. We need to affirm these things to each other. And I want to remind you this morning, remind us collectively that even as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can forget that presence, let other things loom larger in our vision than maybe they need to. And I want to bring you back to remembering the presence of the Almighty God, the presence of Jesus Christ himself. He's with you. Call on him. Cry out, Abba, Father, and rest in that presence. Let not your heart be troubled. That's the desire of our Lord Jesus Christ for your life. And if you're listening to this and you're with us today and you're not currently a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to do that right now. Because again, all of this is predicated on that foundation. It's not just sort of a vague, don't be afraid. It's a don't be afraid because of the presence of God. But if you don't have that presence in your own life, there's no barrier to you coming to God right now, right in this very moment, because Jesus Christ made the way for that to happen. You don't need to be good enough You don't need to say or do the right things. You don't need to belong to the right church. All you need is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is all you need. And what we're building to here in this story of Jesus is he is going to go to the cross and take a punishment from God for our sin. And they're going to take him down off the cross and put him in a tomb And then he's going to rise from the dead. And he's alive today and returning for us. But what he has said is, as we looked at earlier in this passage, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to Father God but through me. And so by simply trusting Jesus Christ, by believing what he did, by believing in his death and his burial and his resurrection, and that he did that for you on your behalf, You can be saved. You can experience that calming, peaceful presence of Jesus Christ himself saying to you, you don't need to worry. I don't want your heart to be troubled. I want you to experience a joy and a peace that comes from my presence. And you can simply receive what Jesus has already given to you 
and just say thank you and take it. And I invite you to do that this morning. Let not your hearts be troubled. The desire of Jesus Christ, the desire of our heavenly Father who is so incredibly good is that you would not be troubled this day, that you would not be afraid this day, that you would have a peace and a joy this day, not because nothing that's happening matters, just because he and his presence matter that much more. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. That as we gather in his name, that we recognize again his work for us. That God himself came and lived a sinless life so that he could be a perfect sacrifice in my place, in all of humanity's place. So that simply by trusting in what he did, we can have life and we can have that presence that we can abide in you and that we can go through the worst things that life has to, has to throw at us and still do so without being fearful and terrified and afraid because we know we have your presence. God, you're so wonderful and merciful and gracious and kind. We praise you. We love you. And we do pray that you would help us to experience your presence and your peace and a lack of fear that comes from it in our world today. We pray all these things this morning in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, Berean Bible Church. Grace and peace be with you today.